0: Are you a service-based business owner looking to increase profits to fund your lifestyle? Well, this podcast is for you. We bring you inspirational guests sharing actionable tips to solve many of the struggles you face each and every day. And now over to your host, Paul Higgins. Welcome to the Build Live Give podcast. Fantastic to have you here. If you're a first time listener and you love what you hear, please subscribe. If you're a regular, Always love to hear your thoughts. You can actually ask questions at Paul Higgins mentoring.com forward slash questions. Ask me the guest questions, and we'll definitely pass those through to the guest and get back to you. So the um, we basically transcribe all the show, but if you want to take notes, please do. And all the links mentioned, etc., will be in the show as well. And believe me, there's lots that the guests give in this one. So the guest, they started Facebook ads in 2013. That's it. They were an early adopter. And then 2016, they actually realized the power of video. They were in a very tight meeting and Facebook basically said, we are a video platform. So they doubled down on that. So today you're going to get some of the best insight into Facebook because the person that you're about to meet actually wrote the best Book on Facebook ads. So I ask him lots of questions on that. And also he goes into video and, and video and the way that he does video is brilliant. And it's something you're going to really love. So what I'm going to do now is hand you over to Bob Rignaris from feedstories.com. Welcome Bob Rignaris to the Build Live Give podcast. Great to have you here, Bob.
1: It is really good to be connected with you. I know a mutual friend kind of introduced us, and I think we've been excited to be – I've been excited to be in your podcast, and you said you were excited to interview me. So hopefully we, like, match the expectations today.
0: Yeah, well, look, you've got some great topics that I really want to explore Today, but yeah, I came across you from Dennis Brown, so I've been on Dennis's podcast. I, I'm yeah. a regular listener of growth experts, and uh, yeah, when I heard you, I thought i got to get Bob on my show. So here you go. So you um, know, uh, when people people ask you, hey Bob, you know, what do you do? How do you best describe that?
1: Well, obviously, I'm an entrepreneur, but um, my one of my coaches, it's, it's funny, says Bob, you just did, you exude dad and coach energy, so. Um, in fact, like I'm, I'm wearing, I'm wearing coaching material. Like, uh, I'm in my fifties now, but I have been coaching basketball since I was 16 years old. So I, I live out coach. I live out coach on the basketball court and I live out being a coach in my life. Um, I, I coach business owners in addition to serving them. Um, I coach and mentor young people, you know, it's just kind of what I do. So, my, my mentor says, you just never take that coach hat off, and I just live it day-to-day.
0: Great. And you know what, what's some superpowers that you've got around this coaching that you think many people miss?
1: I, I think a lot of people kind of misconstrue coaching, at least in the business world. Um, I think a good coach, whether it's in sports or it's in business, is not there to play the game. The coach is there because they know the game and the coach is there to help the player win the game. Um, A good coach focuses on fundamentals, focuses on things that um, can be improved upon. I think a coach speaks truth into people. So sometimes a coach has to discipline or a coach has to, we call it chide or prod, right? Um, A good coach does that as well. But a good coach is always there to praise people. And I think my superpower is that I'm really high on the empathy scale. Um, I can really read people's energy. I can really see when they're struggling. I know when they're doing well. Um, I know how to put an arm around somebody who's having a rough time. And I know how to keep somebody in check who's maybe having the best game of their life without letting them getting too high on the horse, so to speak. So I'm just really good at reading people, building rapport. And again, you know, I'm fine participating in and wins but ultimately i know it's the player or the business owner that that really gets the victory so that's what i really love that part of being a coach
0: brilliant well i know that's one hat you wear but the other hat you wear and you and i you know need to wear hats obviously because of uh, yeah
1: we do (laughs) i don't don't wear them on podcasts
0: (laughs) (laughs) most of my podcasts are normally six in the morning mel uh melbourne time so one of the reasons I can actually grow my hair, but one of the reasons I don't is because at 6 a.m. I get up at quarter quarter to 6 and just, you know, try to get my bearings to go straight right, on right. the camera. So this hairstyle is, uh, is great. But, yeah, you wear, you know, other great hats. And one is that you've got the world's best Facebook ads book. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, Facebook has been kind of a wonderful thing for me. Close to a decade, I, I really got into it in 2013. I've always been a, a, I guess in terms of when I've been in marketing, I've always focused in on paid advertising. Mm-hmm. What I like about paid advertising is the predictability. Um, I've never been like an SEO or or an organic person because there's no predictability to it. Um, I do have a programming background, so I do like some order, so a little bit of an engineer mindset, but. What I like about paid ads is you can put in a dollar and measure how much you get back. I think that's one of the most satisfying things. Plus, there's the predictability, and the scalability of that. So I like to say to some people, um, you don't really don't have a business until you can make pad ad, paid ads work. You know that that really kind of defines a business. So Facebook was something I get into in 2013, transitioning really out being an AdWords person. I, AdWords is something I kind of learned, but I never. I never really connected to it on a really like likeable level. It was a necessary evil. Facebook, on the other hand, really got some of the elements that I enjoy personally, which is storytelling and visual media and being able to really make connections with people. So, I mean, you kind of heard my little story, like I like connecting to people. Well, yes. Facebook, Facebook is ultimately a social platform. And you really have to dive into the, the art of telling story and creative that that's how you win. And so I really enjoyed learning that medium and had a lot of success with, with clients early on. I was fortunate to get my start with five clients who had been on my list. I put out an offer and said, hey, um, I, I need I want to do five beta clients for Facebook. You're going to get a really good deal from me and we're going to build your business. And I hit two home runs out of those five, just took off to the stratosphere. Uh, One of my clients won Shopify retailer of the year in 2014, just an amazing story. And so I've developed a lot of expertise over the years. I've been in thousands of accounts, uh, literally, I'm not lying. It's like thousands of accounts and Um, Perry Marshall, who's a friend of mine, uh, also a mentor, said, hey, we're looking for a new author for the book. Um, The book was last published in 2017. And it was severely out of print at that point, out of date. And so it's a complete rewrite. Uh, 90% of the book is brand new material. And what I really like about it is that it's full of fundamentals, right? There's a coach again talking about fundamentals. But my goal was that the book, even though the screenshots and some of the tactics might come be out of date, even in a year from now, um, the book's still a marketing book. You could pick up the book and learn how to write copy, learn how to put together a direct marketing funnel. Uh, I really want that book to be something that sits at people's desk side. And I've been on enough Zoom calls to see where people have picked it up and showed me the book. So I guess mission accomplished. It's really an honor to have people kind of do that. So yeah, I mean... Braggadocious? Is it the world's best Facebook book? I think so, based on the amount of time I put into it. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm really enjoying it, and the reviews on Amazon have been overwhelmingly positive. And even the negative ones were instructive to me. So, um, yeah, I, I I I love the book, and I love that people love the book even more.
0: Great. Well, look, most most of the people listening or watching now are sort of in the you know consulting space, so selling mm-hmm. services, yeah. high ticket services. Tell us how some of those fundamentals relate to us. Because I've got to say, I've got more of a hate than a love relationship (laughs) with Facebook ads. So I'd love to know what someone like myself, who basically is our audience here, uh, how how we can get Facebook uh, right.
1: Well, number one, I think, first of all, I also have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. Um, It's a big machine these days. And you know, with, with anything that grows to the level that Facebook does, there's going to be problems. And a lot of it is learning to kind of fight your way around the landmines um, and, and really leverage the platform, what it's good for. What it's good for is to really, um, it really pronounces somebody's platform. Um, for somebody who's a thought leader, Facebook is still a fantastic media because your people are there. They're using Facebook. Mel. You know, maybe they have a different relationship with Facebook these days, maybe than they did two years ago or five years ago, but there's still not a better place for somebody to have all their customers at at their disposal and to be able to use content. Um, You know, we're probably going to dive into video, but I think Facebook is a great platform for video. It's a great platform for teaching your audience. Um, If you sell a high-priced product, you're perfectly positioned. Um, I have a lot of clients, Paul, that are in e-commerce whose margins are quite thin. Mm -hmm. And Facebook has been a challenge for them because with a mature media that is accountable to its shareholders, the cost of advertising is not going to go down. It's going to go up. Um, So people who have larger margin, big ticket products are really at an advantage because they can afford to spend more money to reach their customers. So for somebody who's a thought leader, for somebody who's a consultant, um, using video and, and leading with content to sift and sort your audience is the absolute most effective way to do that. And then I say this, any business will benefit from retargeting. Uh, most people don't go into Facebook looking to first retarget. Uh, I wrote the book where the first thing we talk about is retargeting right. because you want to have this foundation in place so that no matter where your traffic comes from, Facebook is really the best way to follow them around. Even in this iOS 14 world, there are strategies you can use to follow your prospects around so that everywhere they turn, they see you, they hear you. Um, that's the first thing we set up for any client. Set yeah, so give me an example
0: of, of that, Bob. So, um, yeah. yeah, so so give us a, an example of a thought leader that you've helped with retargeting.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, uh, obviously Perry, so I can start with Perry. You know, what we do with Perry is he's got all different kinds of funnels that bring new people in, right? But what stays consistent is this evergreen um, funnel where it's the most important videos, the most important teachings that kind of define who he is. It's the basis of his platform, so when you visit Perry's site, you know you come in through maybe one of his books, you're going to get spun into not only his email campaigns, but you're going to get spun into campaigns that talk about his new renaissance subscription. It's going to have testimonials. It's going to have case studies. It's basically building up his credibility. It's nurturing those prospects along, right? It's building rapport with those people. It's building credibility, and it's presenting opportunities for them to do business. Now, we don't Necessarily, do a lot of hard calls to action. Uh, I like to say we give them off ramps to different places. Like yeah. we want to use the content to kind of pique their interest, and if it's something they're interested in, we give them that off ramp towards that offer where they can dive deeper and find out about this program or this product. Um, that's a really effective way to do it. Um, we do this not only for thought leaders. Uh, SaaS companies could do this. You know, if you have a really great SaaS product. Uh, you're gonna kind of wow them with something up front that like really hammers the problem that your that your solution you know um, that your solution offers, and then but you, if you think about the way people evaluate SaaS, there's all these questions. So you know you really need to to kind of uh, saturate them with demos, with FAQs, with testimonials, with use uh, you know with use cases. Those are the types of things that you want to nurture people with. So even if you're a service provider, most of you have coaching programs or consulting programs. There's going to be all kinds of questions people have, like, what do you, what do you actually teach? Uh, what does a program look like? Um, what are you really good at? Are you really good at this stuff? Do you say, you know, what you say and what you do? Like, you know, that's the type of stuff that you're going to put into a middle of funnel scenario where you're nurturing. You're bringing them along. You know, you had the introduction. And we got to bring them along. We're going to nurture them, bring them along to the place where they're going to be ready to engage in a sales conversation. And they're more likely to convert because they're properly warmed up. They're properly informed. All right. You, they've built rapport with you. They've got to know you, like you, hopefully trust you. And when you put the sales presentation in front of them, you don't need to overcome all those things. They're, it's already been done for you. So it's really about solving the problem on those sales calls, on those webinars, things like that.
0: Great. Right. And, and I want to get to video in a, in a moment, but just quickly on that. So let, let's say someone hits uh, even my podcast page, right? So someone hits yeah. my podcast page, how would I retarget them on
1: Facebook? Well, a couple, couple suggestions. I've actually given this out to a couple of podcast hosts in the past. So number one, you've got your five most popular podcasts, right? Yes. Um, and And if you do an 80-20 analysis, it's 80% of your your listens over the years were probably on 20% of your podcasts. And if it's it's really truly, it's probably 95-5, right? So one of the things you could do is they hit your podcast page, maybe they listen to that. So there's two things you could do. Number one, you can introduce them to some of your top podcasts. And they're top podcasts because a lot of people listen to them, review them. So you could run ads promoting those episodes. But then also if you do thematic stuff, so let's say somebody lands on our episode, Paul, and, and we talk about Facebook and video in this podcast. Well, you could think back to, all right, well, I interviewed so-and-so six months ago about video, and you could offer thematic ways, right? You can say, oh, okay, this person was interested in Facebook, so I'm going to share this other Facebook episode with them. Um, that's really two ways you can leverage that. And then, of course, as they get to know you, now you want to be talking about, okay, you make the introduction to what do we do? Right. Um, You offer them material that warms them up and goes, okay. so I love Paul as a podcast host. But really, what's he all about? Right. Um, That's where you get the opportunity to introduce your product. So, you know, you're going to put content in front of them that talks about the solutions you offer to the problems they have. Now, they may not have the problems that you solve. All right. Um, But that's fine. You offer them the service and it's good enough. But some of those people are be like, yeah, like I've reached a plateau in my sales. Um, I need I need this. Like I think we could double our sales in the next 12 months or 18 months. Um, Paul's the guy to do that.
0: So and, you Bob, take the is opportunity. It, is it like a one-for-one? One? And and pardon my ignorance here, right? But with retargeting, is it a hundred percent guaranteed that people are going to see that video?
1: Oh. Of course not. No, you can't no. guarantee anything. You can certainly you know, especially kind of in this iOS 14 world, we're going to be missing some people on Apple devices, but yeah. um, you certainly you certainly are going to get a large percentage of people that are going to see it if you give it enough budget. All right. And just to get technical here, you're going to want to use a reach campaign versus like a conversion or traffic campaign. Um, most of the retargeting we do uh, is relatively small audiences and relatively small is like 100,000 or less. Um, you're gonna use a reach audience, a reach objective, so that Facebook prioritizes making sure that as many people in that audience um, that it, it's gonna prioritize that the most people in that audience get to see your ad. All right? And it's, of course, based on your budget. And you know, you can see in the book and in some of my training, like you can play with the budget level and Facebook's gonna show you the the estimated reach. But of course, it depends that the person's on Facebook at the time, right? And there's a number of factors, but you can you can expect a reasonable amount of people who hit that page and if you have the campaign set up proper, that a majority of the people are going to see that ad at some point when they log into Facebook.
0: Yeah. Okay. So so the pixel says who they are. Mm-hmm. Right. But it, it is it but then it's um, if I've got this right, it's a little, little bit like chance that they're actually going to see the ad so it's not as if yeah. you're spending like an email directly to them because they hit your page
1: absolutely not guaranteed 100 yeah. percent not guaranteed uh, but likely
0: yeah okay brilliant well look yep.
1: um
0: so everyone uh ultimate fb.com as we can go and get the book right but let's spend a little bit of time here and and Uh, on video, right? Because I know you've got this amazing virtual service on video that really, when I was doing some research on you, Bob, because I heard what you said, which was sort of a little bit more around Facebook on Dennis's podcast, but then I found this world that opened my (laughs) eyes to you, which is, this is, it sounds like a brilliant service. So quickly tell us what happens with these virtual videos.
1: Yeah. So I I need to tell you a little story. So if you go to my Amazon page, there's a one-star review from somebody who basically berates me for saying, all Bob talks about on the book is video. And do you know that he has a video company? Like, oh my goodness, imagine the audacity of that. Well, the reason I have a video company is because of Facebook. In 2016, I was privileged to go to a small group meeting of advertisers that were spending a lot of money with them. Um, I was in the room with the engineers that coded the ad platform with other advertisers that were spending way more money than I was. But for two days, Paul, all they talked about was video. (laughs) One person stood up there and said, Facebook and Instagram are now video companies. I'm like, okay, this is a, this is a change. I went downstairs. I went outside. This is in Austin, Texas. I went outside on the sidewalk. I called up my now business partner Brandon. I said, Brandon, here's what I just heard. We need to focus in on video. So essentially, we launched feed stories from the sidewalk outside Facebook headquarters, right? Um, and, you know, we we kind of had fits and starts with video. And in the 2018, we said, you know what? It's so hard for people to get video done. You know, they, they either don't know what to say. They don't they think they don't have the right equipment or they don't want to hire a videographer. It's like it's too much of a hassle. How do we remove the hassle? Well, we said everybody carries around a video camera in their in their pocket these days. Yeah. How do we how do we create video using people's comfortable device day in and day out? We started outlining an app and said, okay, this is what we would want in an app. And lo and behold, somebody reached out to me who had already developed the technology we were mapping out on the napkin. And we started using this company, became one of their first initial adopters. Uh, It's a company out of New York. Uh, They just raised another round of capital, like $37 million. But essentially what it allows us to do is the technology is no longer a roadblock for people. Like literally, if you have an iPhone, we can do our magic. Now, the magic, Paul, in video is not how expensive or eloquent your equipment is. It's actually about what you say and our ability uh, as a company is, is pulling stories out of people. So Paul, you're very gifted, obviously at interviewing. We are too. And how we create video is we interview people and have conversations and it turns into great video. Now we have a listening ear as copywriters to be able to pull like sales stories out of people. And that's kind of what sets us apart. But this technology it allows a director to be on your phone and do the interview as if we're there. So when COVID hit, <laughs> um, we we had two weeks of slowness, but then we took off um, because all of a sudden people were realizing how important video was. They craved interaction with people, so obviously Zoom, like we're doing, became important. But also people producing more video because they crave that connection. Um, so we have been on fire. Um, in the best way since 2020, helping people get video done. We do sales videos. We do FAQ videos. What we really specialize in is case studies and testimonials, um, helping our clients tell their stories. And you know that's that's been something we've just been proud of and been hustling to do for clients now since 2016, but really <laughs> intensely since 2020, uh, April of 2020.
0: Yeah, well, look, I love the video, which is no surprise, right? The video on your site, which is feedstories.com. So I'll have the link yeah. in in there, but it really oh, shows. And, and I love the fact that, you know, you're the camera, the directors there, you know, they're asking you the right questions. It, it just seemed like all the barriers. And I know you mentioned, you know, what to say and how to get it done. But the two biggest barriers to video, right? Yeah, and absolutely. your solution absolutely. <laughs> nails that so um yeah I, I appreciate
1: think, that yeah I, I,
0: I'm like okay straight into my community you've got to go and uh and look at this guy and and the service because I, I think it's it's great and um you know I, I know certainly um for me I, I think just one little tip for video for me and I love to see if if I'm the money here but for me I found the most important thing for video for me was just where I'm actually comfortable doing video so for example oh. i used to get up and i'd go downstairs and i'd sit up downstairs to do a video and you know the pressure of that and then it, you know do whatever so now i've just bought an okay camera for my uh for my old mac that i've plugged in i've got a light you know sometimes i'm a little overexposed <laughs> like this morning you know <laughs> blah 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 <laughs> but but at least now i feel comfortable to go at any point now i'm sitting but at least i can go at any point i think That was the big one for me, and what I learned from your video is that you guys do that—you send the lighting, you 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 get people comfortable, and then it's in their environment, and then they record. Which I think gets over all of those things. I've got to go to a studio. I've got to be in a certain room. Like I think COVID has brought us um, a a lot more open to video. You know, um, yeah. What what are your thoughts on what I've just said?
1: Well. What COVID has done is number of things, it it's allowed us to be comfortable doing video in environments that maybe we thought we that were off limits. Like yes. sitting in my office chair, um I could turn my camera here and like you could see I've got a I got my green screen hanging there. It's not taught right now. <laughs> All right. Um, but I do a lot of video obviously here from my office. Yeah. Um I think I think number one is. People people are more tolerant. It, it's it's not about your environment. Like you want to have good quality video. And when I say good quality video, you know, you you can do HD video on any webcam and any phone right now. Okay. That's a given. Anybody can do that. Yeah. Second thing is you want to have good lighting. Well, yeah. we all have ring lights or these I have a small little square light here. I can get it on Amazon for 20 bucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then a good mic. So you know, for podcasts, I use this headset. Um, but you don't need an expensive podcasting mic like yours. What we use is a little lavalier mic that plugs into our iPhone. And that's all you need. And a tripod to basically hold your camera. Yeah. What it then becomes about is what you say. And the one thing that we really value is we, we don't believe most business owners are actors or newscasters. They don't know how to read a teleprompter or a script. Um, They sound robotic, it sounds unnatural, and it's not trustworthy. But what people do trust is somebody having a conversation talking about what they know. So you and I aren't scripting this conversation, but it's enjoyable to listen to and it's really informative. Well, you know, we could take this podcast and edit this thing up into a nice short compact video, right? We, we We could certainly put this long form, you know, which we'll do and what people are listening to but we can take pieces of this and it would make really good sales videos or, or videos for a YouTube channel. And so, you know, guess what? A lot of what we do is we chop up some of these podcasts and put it on our channel because you tend to say some really good stuff when you have a good interviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the way we replicate that. We simply ask questions about people's business and they know it. All right. So we go into our sessions with an outline and a plan. And, and then from there, it's a conversation and people just share the knowledge that they already know. That makes for great, authentic, engaging, magnetic video.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. And look, I could talk to you for a lot longer, but once again, just go to feed, F-E-E-D, The link's going to be yep. in, but if you want to act even quicker than that, go and watch the video and you will be blown away by the service that other awesome. brand and are offering. So before we go into the live section, I'd like to ask you, have you got the sales system set up for you to grow multiple streams of revenue? And if the answer to that is I'm not quite sure, go and take my pulse check where I give you nine questions, the nine critical questions that I've back engineered over 28 years of sales to see the gaps for you. So just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash Pulse and you will get it. It'll take you about three minutes, but it will really guide you. And at the end of that, depends on your results. There's a free call where we go through a plan for you. Not a sales call, but a plan for you. So just go to Paul HigginsMentoring.com forward slash pulse. So, Bob, what are some of the habits that make you successful?
1: once you know, COVID, COVID's been an awful thing for our world, but it's it's allowed us to really study ourselves if we've taken the opportunity to do that, I think one of the things that I've noted as I get older, I need more sleep. So um, I've been able to improve my sleep. Um, I've actually I've actually got a couple devices like we have a, a bed that measures your sleep quality uh, but I'm getting more sleep these days and the fact that my wife no longer has to get up at 5:30 a.m. to commute into the city gives us about two <laughs> extra hours of sleep every night. Um, and that's wonderful. Um, you know, walking is is a fantastic thing, but, you know, journaling and and really adhering to kind of being quiet and listening for inspiration is something that I've gotten better at um, as I got older. Um, so those are two things that uh, are kind of habits that I've developed during COVID and maybe were not as good before COVID that uh, I've continued just uh, to cultivate.
0: Yeah, well, just quickly on that. So I, I, um, you know, for most of you that have listened, watch all the time, I had a, a kidney failure and then had a transplant. And that meant that, you know, I, I slept too much, right? Like I, I just couldn't keep awake. Even in, yeah. in corporate meetings, I used to have to put my car keys under my leg to basically oh. try to keep me awake. Yeah. But uh, the benefit of that is that I really got good at naps and now, Every day, I do a seven minute, uh, seven minute meditation, and then I do a twenty two minute nap. And believe me, just try it; it is absolutely changed my world. Now, I am up early every morning because of you know, I, most of my my clients are in uh, North America, and I live down under. But uh, it's been amazing. So, yes, yeah, sleep is so important. I think that's when, the number. Of, sorry, go for it, Bob.
1: When do you do that nap? By the way,
0: yeah. So, look, it's it's around uh, the middle of the day, around twelve o'clock. So okay. I've got a routine. I normally go for a bike ride. I have lunch. I then uh, do my nap and then I have a cold shower. And that then gets me fired up for the uh, rest of the day. But uh, I've got to tell you, some mornings when I get up at, you know, 530, all I can think about is that 22 minute slot.
1: You know, you've got that rest period ahead.
0: Correct. And just for anyone who's visualizing it and thinking that I'm like George Costanza that goes under my desk, I don't. I actually—that's a bit of a working from home. I do go to my uh, my bed. It's not a smart bed like yours, Bob, but it is a it is a nice, comfy bed. So the next section is the give section. So, what's a community yeah. or charity that you support and why?
1: Yeah, I've been really focused, my wife and I, on supporting local charities. I mean. Uh, I think it's important where, you know, we all live in diverse communities and I I live in a a suburban location outside of Chicago, major metropolitan city. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of diversity in terms of ethnic and uh, financial um, backgrounds and there's a lot of people hurting right now. And we've always supported like local type of rescue shelters, food banks, things like that. We've definitely stepped up our ability to give uh, during this time. So um, there's a couple organizations locally that we love to support and we stepped up our support for. Um, On a national level, um, we we really love to support the Make-A-Wish Foundation because they help kids who are in just awful situations have an experience that kind of makes them forget, um, you know, they're really sick and, you know, the world is, It helps them believe that the world has a better place for a day or so and gives them hope for the future. So uh, those are ones that I really love to support.
0: Brilliant. And, and thank you for, for doing that. So the last section is a rapid fire section where I ask you some questions and get some rapid fire responses. As we said, pre-interview, it's a sip of beer, not a whole glass. Yeah. Yes. Australians love their beer. I don't drink beer, unfortunately, because of my kidney transplant, but uh, <laughs> let's go with that. So the yeah. first one is what technology is essential for you for running your business?
1: Yeah. So we're uh, we're a virtual company and we were <laughs> prior to COVID. So uh, we've got uh, team members all over the country and all over the world. So we, we need Zoom and that's a cop-out to say during uh, COVID. So yeah. uh, the technology we use to keep track of all the projects is Monday.com. Yeah. Uh, it's a great tool. We've tried a number of products that help manage uh, a couple we tried we probably tried six products before we settled on Monday um, in terms of like how do we organize all our client projects and activities. Um, that's one we love because all the team members across the world can use it and we don't miss things that way. So monday.com has been a really valuable project management tool for us. All
0: right, great. So uh, the next one is, uh, what is your best sales tip? And remember, sip a beer.
1: Yep. So a sales tip we would have is testimonials. It's our secret weapon. And uh, I like to say that your sales story isn't complete until your clients tell theirs.
0: Great. I was a bit worried then. I was thinking, oh, is he talking about me? But I think you're talking to everyone listening, all right? Well, uh, yeah. The next question is, what's your best source of new ideas?
1: Uh, Without a doubt, mastermind groups. I've been part of mastermind groups since 2004, and uh, I always invest in high-level mastermind groups because of the networking, because of the mentoring, and the ability for them to push me constantly out of my comfort zone.
0: Brilliant. And the last one is the big one. I'll leave it to the end for that reason. But what impact do you want to leave on the world? Uh,
1: I love that most of the people that know me know me as coach. Uh, I want to be known as somebody that help people achieve uh, what they want in life, whether that's business and athletics. Um, I, I want people to know that, uh, hey, you know, Bob unselfishly invests himself in others and is really excited when they're successful.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, uh, you can get the ultimate, actually the ultimate guide to Facebook advertising uh, from Bob. And remember, you can just go to ultimatefb.com. All the links will be in the show notes of everything that Bob's mentioned, but including that, but please go and grab that. And I think that retailing is so powerful. I think it rolls off the tongue for everyone, but even like you could tell by my uh I suppose, naive questions. I still don't exactly know where what it is. I think it's only for the big guys. I actually don't with the well, big budgets. And I think that's you've helped us reframe that today. But look, brilliant having you on the show today, Bob. Thanks for sharing your wisdom, not just on Facebook, but in particular, the video. Go check out, feed stories. So F W D stories.com. See that video that Bob and Brandon have got there. And uh, yeah, I think for testimonials in particular, your story, which I always recommend people having on their LinkedIn featured section, I think uh, get these guys to help you out with it. So uh, Bob, thanks for coming on today.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: I really love that interview with Bob. He gave so much wisdom and you could tell that I was really drilling in on the retargeting of Facebook ads and I'm going to take some action on that. But believe me, if you really struggle, particularly with that uh, featured section, I always recommend that you have a, a story about you. Go to mine. You can see it at Paul Higgins mentoring. You'll go and see it, but it's so important to have that. And I think his service is um, absolute first class. So go and look at that. And also, if you want to know if you've got a sales system to be able to grow multiple streams of revenue, go and have a look at Paul Higgins mentoring.com forward slash pulse. Please take action to build, live, and give. Thanks for listening to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you like what you heard, please share it and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us.